You're listening to Here and Now Podcast, the show that brings you all things faith, hearing loss, and lifestyle. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now let's get into the show. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of Here and Now Podcast. Today is a very special one because not only do we have a very special guest, but we have a very fun announcement to tell you guys. So let's just get right into the episode because I'm super excited to tell you that my mom is my very first guest on my podcast. Say hi, mom. Hey there. (laughs) We are super excited because not only have I never had a guest on, I get to do it with my mom for the very first time and we get to be in the same room recording together. So I guess we're just going to do an interview style. We really don't know what we're doing, do we? I have no idea. (laughs) No idea at all. Um, Well, you know, I don't know what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I figured we just do like a little conversation, just kind of get to know us and um, yeah, so... I guess, why don't we just start off by telling you your name, first of all. I'm Heather Labano. Yes, um, and I'm Sophia, as always. Um, this is my mom, has been for 20 years. Almost, almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And we've been through a lot <laughs> together, for sure. And the cool thing is that we are both writers in the digital space. And my mom also has a blog called House of Love and Laughter which can also be found at heatherlebano.com as well. Mm-hmm. Links will be down below so you guys can check that out. I talked about it a lot on this and shared a lot of posts on my Instagram. Um, but it's like super cool to have somebody to like relate to in the digital space. And you can also find her on Instagram at um, House of Love and Laughter blog. Um, so yeah, I guess we can just jump right into the questions and just kind of have a good old conversation. So... The first thing that I wanted to talk about was hearing loss, because not only have has she raised me with hearing loss, but she was also the daughter of somebody who had hearing loss as well. Um, so what was it like to kind of have this like double life of being a mom and also being a daughter of people with hearing loss? So my mom started to lose her hearing probably around the time I was 10 or so, and at least that's when she identified herself as losing hearing and for me as a child I often had to be her ears when we would do things over the years when we would um, be in the supermarket or at a store and I I began to understand um, that she wasn't hearing things as easily when people would ask her things maybe at a register at a store and actually even in time started to have to make phone calls for appointments for her for the doctor or if we needed to do any kind of on the telephone kind of conversations this is before she had a closed caption phone which we got later in life for her um after you needed one and we discovered how we could um, have um, access to one of those um so it was it was actually frustrating for me because I didn't understand why she didn't want to advocate excuse me advocate for herself and maybe that's probably why I became a little bit more um, aware of how we needed to advocate um, for you and teach you how to advocate for yourself and of course in the interim of my being a child and being a mom I was also a um, teacher and was getting my master's in special ed 
And uh, one of the places that I found I loved um, the most was working with people who needed some sort of assistive technology. And here's the irony that I um, ended up knowing how to advocate a lot more for you. Mm-hmm. Um, while you weren't in the public school system, um, and I'm sure that they would have done what they needed to do for you, we kept you in a faith-based um, school because that's where we felt that would be the best for you. And um, over time, found that that wasn't always the best environment. But we just kept advocating over the years and what we needed to get done. We had audiologists come into our school. We had um, teachers um, receive uh, credits, accreditation, um, continuing ed, you know, credits for uh, a, a friend who was teaching at a school of the deaf to come in and teach the teachers. So we did all kinds of things, including when you were over the years starting losing your hearing at eight. Each year we would participate in this team that would help raise funds and awareness for the hospital where you were hearing loss was managed. So those types of things just kept making you more um, about others versus yourself Mm -hmm. and and, um, helping you to look outside of yourself and not have this be a disability rather than um, a place where you could take your, um, as we always called it, gift of hearing Mm -hmm. loss and turn it into something that would help others in um, in the end. And in some ways, that's what you're doing with this now. It wasn't easy. It wasn't, it was, you know, every, every doctor's appointment in the beginning, we had maybe every six weeks or so mm-hmm. you, you and I both, I mean, I know for sure I would end up with migraines as we were approaching those times because of the fact that every time we would go, your hearing loss would, um, you know, would be less and less each time mm-hmm. your hearing loss uh, I'm actually your, you <laughs> know hearing, what I'm saying? Yeah. Your hearing would be lost each time more and more, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so, the aggressiveness of yeah, it. Yeah. It would just decline every time we would go back. And there was like never an appointment that there wasn't some sort of change, whether it was an actual volume loss or clarity mm-hmm. or anything. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was that was a wild ride for sure. And you know, at this point, like, because I have no hearing left, there's nothing more to expect from losing it anymore. But because I got cochlear implants, what was it like to hear the news that you would need, that I would need an implant or both? So that started earlier on than actually when it occurred. And what does that mean? That means (laughs) that, um, when we were going through some appointments and we thought you were at a place where your sort of your status um was what they call status quo like things were okay and you were you know where we were being managed and um just by the lack of communication i'll just leave it there because you know we things just changed a little bit dramatically at that time we we were at an appointment and then the next thing i know the audiologist that we love to carry you through the very beginning stages of this time um she suggested that we start to research it a bit and then as we did it turned out that without her knowing the people that helped us with the cochlear implant scheduled a surgery that was to be you know within six months of course i I remember the very first appointment that we went to with this um, cochlear implant um, coordinator i will call Mm -hmm. her she she went through you know an hour of all this conversation and you know blah 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 and here here now we have to choose what kind of cochlear implant and to get information from 
the medical perspective is always hard because nobody wants to make that decision for you, as no one should, right? It's something you have right. to really decide what this type of cochlear implant or this manufacturer or this, what the different um, gifts of each of those manufacturers would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the very question, the very first questions she asked us after she went through all of this, basically um, throwing up, I will say, of information towards my <laughs> husband vomit. and I. Yeah, ver- word vomit. That's it. I'm not cool enough to know that word. But um, <laughs> I remember looking at your dad and and we were just, I guess, stunned because only a, a couple, like two weeks before we thought everything was just sort of static, you yeah. know, like everything's okay and we're managing along, um, which is never the case because it was like a couple decibels each time you went. And, mm-hmm. and we knew that progressive hearing loss was the word, which means that it's going to progress into nothing at mm-hmm. some point. Right. And we were not ready for a cochlear implant. But the first question she asked was, do you have any questions? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I said, and I started to cry like I do sometimes. And I remember saying, why am I, or I remember asking her, is this normal for me to be so emotional? Mm-hmm. And of course she gave me tissues <laughs> and, um, she herself had a child that had cochlear implants and I think they were later in life that he, um, received his two a different, you know, two different appointments. Um, at the time we weren't sure if you were going to have one or two at the same mm-hmm. time. Ironically, she wanted to schedule it for your birthday because you're around <laughs> Christmas. Well, it'll be a perfect time. And of course my take was we're not doing this and timing is going to be everything. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up going to that, uh, walk in the spring that we did where we raised money, having the schedule for December coming at us. Mm-hmm. Actually, we moved it to November, right? Because we were yeah. like, there's no way we're doing this for your birthday. Absolutely. And um, while it's a gift, it was also the weight of having the surgery and just, anyway. So we went to the walk and we saw the audiologist. Here we're knowing that we're having this implant. And I had tried to speak to a few moms that had children with implants and um, I just felt super strong that it wasn't the right time. And don't you know, the next two weeks we go back for an appointment. Our audiologist has no idea that this <laughs> scheduled surgery was for November. And we were talking with her at this appointment for your hearing loss. And she was not happy because <laughs> how can the how can your medical specialist not even know? Yeah. So needless to say, that was a, um, a canceled appointment. But we had all the steps because when you get a um, cochlear implant surgery it's not just this hey you're putting a surgery on and it becomes this team approach and yeah. the speech therapist actually that we worked with gave us a little time she said I think Sophia's quite honestly doing well enough to mm-hmm. get through where she doesn't need it and that I think that was the greatest gift our dear friend Amy absolutely and hopefully yeah. Amy gets to hear this shout I out because I adore yeah. her and even though she's not in our area anymore she's just was gold for us absolutely um and that was one of the greatest gifts for us, even though we had this one particular person with this um, cochlear implant coordinator that turned out to not be so positive. All of the other people that we surrounded um, ourselves with during that time were just amazing people. That mm-hmm. was one of the reasons we would always say your um, gift of hearing loss is how would we have ever met these people if we didn't yeah. have this? Yeah. It's just the gift of struggling, right? Yeah. Sometimes, right? Yeah, I mean, like, that would be, I feel like that's hard for a lot of people to hear. Like, why, what's the gift in struggling? And we talk about that a lot from the faith perspective. Um, but you're so right. Like, we wouldn't have met all the people that we do 
on Facebook and even in person. And there's just so many connections that God has placed in our life that without hearing loss, like that wouldn't have been the case at all. Um, so that was all when I was in sixth grade, right? That, that was like sixth grade. Place. Yes. <clears throat> and so, um, as the eighth grade year came in, um, you were having a lot of struggles academically in seventh grade, just mm-hmm. trying to get the support you needed and, you know, everyone doing the best they could. We, you know, there's no shame in any of this. It's just now trying to get people to help where they need to, um, but eighth grade was coming and when you knew you were starting high school and all of the pieces were lined up where um, whenever we needed to make the decision, it was time. And so you asked about how was that for me, knowing that you would have an implant. Mm-hmm. I remember in sixth grade starting to look up, what does it sound like to have a cochlear implant? <laughs> well, that's kind of funny because how do people know what that sounds yeah. like unless they've been someone without sound or with sound and then which you were, you were somebody yeah. who had something. And then it was taken away. And I think like it's one hard. Of the very few that would like not have been deaf from birth that right. got an implant. Right. right. So babies don't have any understanding of what sound was like before. Yeah. Right. You had an understanding as you were a dancer and you played mu- musical instruments and the mm-hmm. piano, the flute, you loved music. I mean, there were so many things that I think weighed on me thinking, how how is this going to um, play out for you? Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing that very first um, simulation of what a uh, hearing loss, or, or I'm sorry, what cochlear implant sounds like. Yeah. Which I think you should put that little I'm put simulation down. on there. Yeah, check in the show notes for that too. It's pretty fascinating. Um, and those things scared me thinking how, but, but the fact is, is does it scare you more than having no sound? Yeah. And I know there's some debate inside of the world of hearing loss and everyone needs to do what is right for their family and- to be quite honest, I think the greatest gift in waiting was that we gave you the choice because it's yeah. your body. It was your it was your um, life to be yeah. lived. And over time, we tried to make you have the ability to decide things for yourself and to um, have access to things, you know, over time that would allow you to improve, you know, your life mm-hmm. in, in hearing loss world. Yeah. And that included, you know, you need to go in there and you need to write letters to teachers. You need to email your teachers. And yes, Mama Bear had to step in. And and, and <laughs> yeah. it, absolutely, from the teacher perspective, I would want the parents to teach me things. I'll, remember, I'll never forget one of the teachers that you had starting high school who was um, a great gift when you had organized a meeting for your freshman year of high school in a school that didn't turn out to be the right place for you. But mm-hmm. in the beginning where they all gathered and the guidance counselor was a huge asset for you. But this one teacher said, wow, you're teaching me so much what we, you know, and I remember at that meeting getting emotional thinking, wow, for the first time, somebody's looking at you for what you can teach them. I mean, that's just such a humble approach for um, parents who struggle with any kind of um, child who has a ability that's different than others. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so many kids as a special ed teacher. There's so many things that people struggle with. Right. So I mean, it's, it's crazy that like I even did a thesis paper in junior year of high school um, on the impact of kids being in a mainstream school with disabilities and the amount of people that are not receiving the support that they could get or you know need to get is just through the roof yes and it's like it's it's kind of sad but that's where the education piece like you said comes in and the advocacy for yourself and 
kind of having that parent like I did step in for you when you couldn't like use your own voice to speak up because I was young like I didn't start losing my hearing until I was eight and even through middle school when I probably could have spoken up it was all still new to me and so that's where the piece of you having a mom with hearing loss you kind of knew that journey going into having a kid with hearing loss too sure probably made it easier and more difficult well (laughs) because I saw the wounds of it for people you know because we all in so many ways operate out of our wounds so it was a wound for me and so probably made me become a little more fierce in a way Mm -hmm. but so did the point of being a teacher because I worked with students that were um I don't even know what the proper term is today but they were more severe and they needed Mm -hmm. life skills and they couldn't even be a voice for themselves but yeah I always admired the moms that would come in and they would you know want to speak up for their kids because their kids needed what they needed Mm -hmm. and the world is um I I genuinely believe that even the professionals that we encountered that were not always doing exactly what we had needed them to do did what they could to try their best you know Yeah. And the ones that often said, I'll do whatever I can, even if it doesn't work right, like mm-hmm. we're never going to be perfect. That that humility is where I think there's always room for growth and people Absolutely. can always find that they're accepted. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> it worked. It right? worked. I mean, we got through many schools, many years of schooling and even like getting to college. And I talked a lot about that. Um in the past like couple months and stuff of having to leave a college after my first week because of not having an accommodation so from like a parent perspective what was it like because I kind of made that decision on my own like I consulted you guys but the actual doing of it was kind of on me so what was it like to kind of process through all of that me coming home and taking the semester off so um I think that I saw red flags going into it that um, as, again, as a parent and as a professional that there were um, some places where things could have been a bit different for for your experience to know that Mm -hmm. you would have had this, you know, the support that you needed. I do think that um, if, if certain things were set in place from the beginning like academically for you your um experience could have been could have been so much different okay obviously that's Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense but what what does that mean sometimes things are not going to go well Mm -hmm. right and and i think there was definitely some response that i received that why didn't you let her try harder or why Mm -hmm. didn't you of course but after this is now freshman year in college. We've already had you go through three years of, I'm sorry, three different school experiences in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and then, you know, struggles through elementary school. I think at that point we were fully understanding that it was not set up for success. It was set up for failure. Mm -hmm. Meaning we had met with, you know, the disability coordinator and things were promised. Then you moved in and even just the, the physical layout of your room was not set up for um safety yeah in many areas including the bathroom which you know there's there's obviously a dignity issue in there where you're in the shower and you can't hear and things were asked and they were promised and then they didn't get met and um so from the parent side of course my concern is your safety and 
safety in a fire experience, mm-hmm. which the school had a year before, and safety from the personal dignity space. But when you made the decision, you had asked for us to help make the decision for you, but we couldn't do that. That would never yeah. be a fair um, thing for us to, unless absolutely there was, you know, just a situation where I would have to pull the plug. But I think that, you know, you knew what you needed to do. And, you know, your dad and I were walking that night because we were just trying to process it all. And you sent me a letter of how you were going to withdraw from the school and quoting the Americas with Disability Act Mm -hmm. all the way up to the president of the school, which (laughs) obviously we taught you how to be an advocate. Yeah. And um, it broke my heart because we were very excited for you to to -hmm. venture out into the world. But again, we learned from these things and I think you did. And was I afraid of you taking time off? Absolutely not. We did try to find a place for you to go right away as you left that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was there. We, that, that situation we found out was becoming more of us forcing a situation that was because we believed that that was the inside of the box decision. Yeah. We have to go to school now. Yeah. Well, yeah. until the one day we were on our way to drive to the school to yeah. make that deposit of a local college. And I remember looking at you thinking, oh, okay, <laughs> this is not going to go well. Yeah. And this was not my decision to make. It was yours. And mm-hmm. I just knew with the look of despair on your face, I and this is where parenting humility comes in that our things are not always about us. They're mm-hmm. about the kids that we're raising to find the voice inside of them. And if I didn't listen to you, mm-hmm. what kind of... Um, parent am I if I'm not listening to what your needs are and what your um where your heart is at that moment and you were dealing with some pretty big things um and some of that is really that when life slowed down a little bit you needed to just heal from all of the other other years of people um saying no to you yeah and not being willing to help you where you needed to be yeah so I finally had to say yes to myself you had to say yes to yourself and and kind of take that time off and heal and process and kind of let things fall into place how they needed to be right and I feel like without that like I obviously wouldn't be here I wouldn't be having this conversation with you and um and the cool thing is is that after taking that semester off we both decided to go back to school at the same place Hmm. yeah (laughs) so we got to school in the same school same semester and kind of experienced college together you know, mm-hmm. for the first time in what twenty five years for you, and holy moly, in the, in the <laughs> middle of a pandemic, I'm in taking middle- <laughs> exams. <laughs> that was for sure tough, um, but yeah, like I just feel like things kind of worked out in the way that they were supposed to all along, and we just couldn't see that in the moment. And I'm obviously forever grateful. I love genuinely where I am, and to be in a school that has faith at its core. Um, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's just getting to experience that just wholehearted, like, love for God and for for faith and all things theology, um, which was going to be my next question, um, was about faith. It's obviously very rooted in both of our writings, but more more so yours than mine. Um, so what, what's, what's it like to write from a place of faith, given your own faith journey from the past? What's it like to write about faith? Sometimes I feel like I need to stop always writing about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't mean, I mean that to be funny. Yeah. Um, 
I guess I've always written about faith in my journals forever. Um, I feel like after taking the theology classes that I'm taking, I want to write more, but I also don't want to write in a place that overwhelms people from a theological doctrinal approach. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes I have to scale it back yeah. because, <laughs> um, because I'm not writing an academic paper on my blog. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that was um, a challenge all through the spring when I was writing, I felt like I sometimes was, am I writing for the paper that I need to write or am I writing on a blog? <laughs> yeah. Right. That way. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I grew up in a home where my mom talked about God and she prayed and she read the Bible. She, um, I, I guess my dad believed in God. He talked about him, but he didn't go to church and there's no, um, place of judgment here. It's just information to share. When I was, um, little we had a little school that was or i'm sorry a little church that was real close to us that we could walk to and um i wanted to go and we found a way to get there and try to go to whatever little bible classes during the week you know some of it was i just sometimes wanted to get out of the house and find the world and yeah. see where i needed to be i believe that um kind of had a little bit of a god moment and that at 10 years old is when i um, at, at a Baptist church wanted to be baptized because I was not as a infant or as a child. Um, and then about four years later, I started a, a Catholic girl school for just the three years of high school. And it changed things because I began to see how I wanted to, um, become Catholic and, mm -hmm. um, and faith was important. And I really, if you look back in all of my journals, it was definitely the will of God and everything in, in decisions. Not every time. Mm -hmm. Lord knows. I got some confessions after confessions. <laughs> um, but it, and I looked at families around me that I treasure and the way that their family walked in faith was um, foundational. Mm -hmm. And and even today, when I look at certain families, I could name a couple of them right now, but I won't call them out. But maybe <laughs> I'll send this to them and just let them know that this is about them and a little um, gift to them that their families ooze faith. And if it's rooted deeply, then I think challenges in life become easier to to navigate, right? Yeah. And I think that maybe um, that was why in the year that you had your first cochlear implant, mm -hmm. I, same day I'm walking through the hospital with a ruptured, um, two ligaments ruptured in my foot. God bless us. Lord, we were a, we were a mess. Oh yeah. And our and our um, and our I say ours if it was my hospital room too. The hospital yeah. room we were in was, you know, lavender and frankincense stuff, and and the nurses would come in and say, "Why does it smell so good in here?" Um, <laughs> Because we were working through our essential oil love starting way before that, but yeah. we were really mixing up our game then. And then at the end of that six months, we thought things were ready to just kind of change, turn turn a different page because you were now homeschooling for that that semester because we moved you out of that school. And our, your sister fell and broke her jaw. So there we were, seven more weeks of yeah. utter craziness and 
frankincense on her face and copa iba and blah 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 yeah. but seriously and faith i mean yeah yeah um how else do you get through yeah and then yeah right <laughs> what would it have been like if we we didn't have we, faith absolutely because it was just like i feel like yeah we would not have had been able to get through that any other way because just of the outreach of people praying for us and asking for prayers and stuff it just it made a world of difference for us and, and and if we could tell you all the little god winks as people call them of yeah. just things along the way um just the novena for oh yeah for you um that that was started and finished exactly on the day with the, the support of so many amazing people and just even with olivia's falling and breaking her jaw and you know how when she fell and she was kind of out of it she remembers seeing an angel say to her i you know how do you explain this to a kid that now you're going to be wired shut for seven weeks? You're yeah. not going to be able to eat like normal. And this is the kid who loves to cook and loves to eat. Especially steak. Especially <laughs> steak, right? Yeah. Um, and remember her saying she woke up a couple days, you know, after the surgery that she had her three-hour surgery saying, I remember seeing an angel saying to me, God saved me from something bigger. Um, that how, how do you yeah. not just lean into sometimes the struggles – are not what we want but they turn out to be something that brings great gift absolutely it's yeah that was a wild ride for sure mm. that was a crazy year but i mean i feel like even up until now like even through all this pandemical time as you call it like <laughs> what it's like there's no other way to live other than just being faithful and kind of just trusting in the plan that's there and yeah I, it's just it's crazy because our wild minds could go in all these different places because it just is such a human thing to mm -hmm. doubt and just to like not trust and, and fear and fear for sure mm -hmm. that's been that's been a big big thing that we're seeing it's just the fear and just the not living in in hope right and in peace and all those other words that go with that as right well. <laughs> yeah. and certainly it doesn't mean that we're perfect on any of those things mm -hmm. because we kind of lost our mind a little bit yesterday mom here <laughs> you know but just for a moment and then you know humility comes in and says okay we know what's happening here this is yeah. where the enemy steps in and wants to try and take our peace yeah um, yeah right yeah i know it's crazy so i'm glad that you talked about your faith journey as well so now we're we're catholic people mm -hmm. gotta love that um, but it's cool because you have kind of both experiences of seeing like the Catholic from the outside, but now actually living it as well. Um, so I guess like, what are some of your favorite aspects of being Catholic? Um, oof, there's so many good ones. Uh, I, I feel like, um, the sacramental life and mm -hmm. the graces that it brings, you know, going to, you know, the Eucharist. Um, you know, going to mass, which obviously has been a little bit trickier now for the last few months mm -hmm. with not being able to, um, have as the access that we would normally have to it. And I definitely think that that has been a challenge, um, especially given, you know, that this time two years ago when my dad was sick, we were going to mass regularly yeah. during the week even. Um, and 
I I think that it's it's when when there's so much heaviness in the world for me even going to adoration and sitting in church you know um in the presence of Jesus it just feels a little bit more um like a place where I can find some peace mm-hmm. and it's been a challenge to not have that you know even though we we can go back now but it's sort of just still a little bit different you know and obviously the things happening surrounding the, the church and some of the sad things happening with some of the churches burning down and statues mm-hmm. being um yeah. what's, what's, the word? what's the word but just destroyed destroyed <laughs> or just yes made unclean i think in some ways there's just been um sad one of my favorite things i love about um the catholic faith is the um the saints and i yeah, quote them often absolutely. um i think the thing that i didn't know there's two things and of course mary obviously yeah. our blessed mother and being uh baptist protestant um whatever you know line of thinking mm-hmm. um i think i was always you know taught differently about mary mm-hmm. and it's you know i can't sit here and um give you the apologetics on it all <laughs> sophia could do it i'm still learning those things but yeah. i can say that she was Jesus's mother yeah. and you know we don't idolize we revere her and we're grateful for the the human of who she was um it's just without it's just so beautiful and, it really is and the sure. saints and what we can learn from them and the beauty of it is so many of the saints were so many imperfect humans and um and the beauty that they teach mm-hmm. us you know we're not idolizing them we learn from them, you know, there's saints on earth that we see today that I think the same about, but they haven't just been labeled as a official saint per se. Yeah. I mean, they're just our role models because they were just like us and yet they made it big in heaven for sure. But that's awesome. I think the saints are super cool because they drop these little things in your life sometimes and saint saint stalking as we call it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. I just think the relationship with those people um it's kind of just like that middle ground person between you and god and especially if they're a patron of something you know saint francis de sales is the patron saint of hearing loss and he would drop little things around times of my surgery and just all these all these really really cool things so that's awesome i i think being catholic is super cool and you just have to have the eyes to see it i think and sometimes we don't yeah. really realize you know, it's just God winks through absolutely. the saints, like brother, they're spiritual brothers and sisters to us, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's, um, that's super cool. I think, I'm trying to see our notes, if there's anything else that I want to cover. But I guess, um, just what are you up to? What are you up to now? What are you working on? What so currently <laughs> I'm working on trying to figure out what your sisters are going to be doing for homeschool's curriculum come yeah. September. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of all of the craziness over the last few years, one of the um, reasons we um, decided to homeschool was because they needed to just reset, right? Um, I guess as, um, especially for Isabel, the youngest, she came into this world and, you know, and and only a few months later was the beginning of your hearing loss journey. So this, these kiddos have always been, you know, car seat carried, 
you know, <laughs> stroller with Legos under it, snacks and hours sitting in, in the children's hospital that we, uh, you know, went to frequently. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a big thing for kids to have siblings that go through um, journeys like that, you know, mm-hmm. where they, and I think, believe, I believe part of the reason why you, the four of you are so close is because you've managed life that way and having yeah. to be a little more compassionate for each other and um, recognizing that, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, one child yourself needed a little bit extra. And likewise, when Olivia fell and broke her jaw, she needed a little extra. Yeah. And when Ian would struggle with some of the things that he had going on, same thing. And yeah. same for Isabel. Um, and I think some of that hit them after all of it was peaceful. Yeah. You had your second surgery two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. In May. Mm-hmm. And then my dad had his heart attack and then in and out of the hospital for 12 weeks. And yeah. then this coming 17th will yeah. be two years that he passed away. And while you were managing your, it, um, training your hearing in the, with the new cochlear implant on the other side, um, we were working through spending a lot of time at the hospital, or at least I was, you know, yeah. back and forth and also supporting my mom who has MS and, um, my family with, you know, just trying to get through those days, unfortunately, that were very difficult. And of course, as far as kids came along, your dad did the best he could while he also worked. And yeah. I think that once that all calmed down and, you know, that first six months after he passed away and we did all this stuff to get my mom settled in um, her independent care and their house sold and cleaned out and all those things that you step back and go, Whoo, what, where'd the last two years go? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I think Olivia and Isabel just needed to step away from school mm-hmm. and just take a rest. That doesn't mean that we didn't do schoolwork. That just means that we did it on a more, um, peaceful, peaceful. time frame. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, then they wanted to do stay home. That was for half a semester last year. And then this past year they chose to stay home for one more year. Mm-hmm. And, we questioned it back and forth about many things and, and some of the, uh, the gifts that came out of it, even with this time of, um, the great pause, the pandemic. pandemical times. <laughs> um, yeah, we see that all the things that we worried about and questioned as to whether or not we should go back kind of got canceled and, and mm-hmm. changed and altered and whatever. So it just goes to show you that we are not in control and we can't stress about and worry about things that are out of our control and sometimes making your world smaller and not making your worries about things of the world. We talk about that a lot. We do. Things yeah. of the world that, that distract us from doing the good that we can do as humans and the way that God created us to be. And we can... Um, just take a break and that's what they did again this year and now we're fairly certain with things being still not certain for september we're probably going to stay home and it's Mm -hmm. just a matter of getting all the curriculum together yep so that's one thing that's number one (laughs) number two i'm still blogging intermittently yeah as much as i can write Mm -hmm. in long form i do i write a lot every day on i write a lot i'm trying to write a book and i'm i write um on instagram a couple times a week 
I, I go through spurts where I do it for many days in a row. <laughs> but this is my world. And yeah. then I take a break because I need rest. <laughs> just, just the way that I, <laughs> well, just the way that my brain works. I can be fired up for days and have all kinds of great things as a creative. Yeah. And then I need to rest because yeah. I, my creative <laughs> brain is always going. Um, it's always on. It's always on, you know. I do. Cause it, it, because if I'm not creating by writing, as I'm looking at this piece of furniture near here where <laughs> I have right. to go finish painting, I'm painting or I'm decorating or I'm hosting small groups right now, very small groups of very few people that come yeah. over. But we, we like to have people in our house just talking about creating and then saying the other two things I'm working on are a devotional. Oh, yeah, that too. One that would be for kids, younger probably middle school to high school age mm-hmm. to to companion with one for um, moms and I'm working on that now and I'm also working on this series called Love Lives Here which yeah. I began to um, spark I guess over um, I guess the, maybe in May and then some you know harder times hit the world and I felt like I needed to just step back and write rather than share at that time and so when the time is right it will um, come together and you'll be able to find that on my website there's a spot where you can sign up for the love lives here series and the idea behind that is um, what do you do to foster love in your heart but it starts at home right so the things that you do to set your heart from a place of love so that you can um see others the way that God sees others. Mm -hmm. And when we start to look at people that way and start to look at life from that set of eyes, it actually makes us see people with a little bit more compassion and a little bit more of understanding that it's, it's a really hard thing to do. But when you look at people from their wounds, you know, Oh, and that, and not everybody's able to do that, right? Because everybody comes from a different makeup of their personality and their um, temperament, right? Mm-hmm. Some people can, they're very, um, I don't want to get, I don't want to get psychological on you, they're but it, deep feelers. Do, some of us are deep feelers. And when you can see things from that perspective and you can set that out in the world so that others can feel that it makes it um, easier to see others and both sides of a story, right? Yeah. And yeah. all sides of a story, if yeah. you will. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a good way to set your place in your home you know before you leave your house before you get up in the morning when you you know start your day how am i seeing others the way that god sees them whenever i have a a challenge with something or somebody my best way to think about that is god help me to see them the way that you do yeah because we it's not easy for us to do that because we come out it with well they believe this they believe this or they're well let's look at it from all sides you know, and maybe it helps us to see things in a more um, kind and compassionate way. Yeah. Yeah. Because no matter what, they're still children of God. We all have that one thing in common, you know, whether they're on the other side of the world or they believe something different. Like we're all, we're all united in that one, right. one belief that they're all children of God. They're all fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderfully made. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Um, I think that's all the questions that I have. Is there anything else that you want to talk about while we're here? I mean, I'm sure you'll be back for sure. I'll be back. <laughs> you'll be back. We're not going anywhere. Um, 
But if there's nothing else that we want to cover, is there anything else you have to say? No. I don't think so. I mean, the only thing is make sure you check out all the links that we have down below. We'll link the implant simulation thing and um, all of your links. They're always down there anyway, but we'll make sure they're bolded this time. Um, But yeah, make sure you guys come over and join our Psalm 13914 Ministries Facebook group. it's a place where you guys can have a conversation like we just did and connect and see here and love the Lord, as we say. Um, so I guess without further ado, this is probably the longest episode I've oh, ever had. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. And it's the first guest interview that I've had, which is amazing. So be on the lookout in the future for more surprise guests coming on. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Mom, for coming on and just chatting about everything, as we usually do anyway. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Conversations around the table. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As we said, breaking bread together. Breaking bread. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and I guess we'll see you guys back next week. Thank you, Bye. my friend. Bye. Bye. Bye.